0: Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you.
1: Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to join us as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking with Steve Cullum about developing student ministry volunteers But before we get to that, I just want to thank you for for listening, for downloading, and becoming a part of this conversation as we seek to impact the next generation for Jesus. That's what we're all about, is helping those that are working in that area to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Now there's another place that's very concerned about impacting that next generation, and it's our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And it's a place where your student can go and learn more about Jesus and how that applies to all aspects of their life. So let me encourage you to have them check it out at cbc.edu. The campus is small, and that's a great thing because they have personal attention as they're working their way through that next stage in their educational journey. The other side of it is maybe you need to finish a college degree. So if you do, reach out to them. They have what's called their PACE program. That's an opportunity for you to finish up your bachelor's degree, and you can do that again at cbc.edu. Well, on today's podcast, I have with me Steve Cullum. Steve has served in student ministry since 2001, has been married to his wife, Yvette, since 2009. He has a BA in youth ministry and an MA in general ministry with counseling focus from Lincoln Christian University. He's currently the student pastor at LifeBridge Christian Church in Longmount, uh, Colorado, and is a podcast host for Student Ministry Connection. Steve also volunteers as a Colorado State Coordinator for National Network of Youth Ministries. And in his free time, you can find him playing video games, hiking, skiing, rafting, running, reading in a comic book, or watching a movie. Thanks for being on the podcast, Steve.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Dan. It's a, it's a pleasure.
1: Well, I love listening to your podcast. I have been a fan. I have watched as you have even just recently changed the name of your podcast. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, since 2016 we were the Student Ministry Podcast, and and honestly, that that came out of. Uh, N- not really knowing what to call it in the beginning, <laughs> we were we were just like, hey, we're going to talk about student ministry. Let's just call it what it is. And it was <laughs> one of the the first ones uh, that really came on the scene. There was maybe five or six podcasts that focused on student ministry at the time, and so went ahead and went with that name. the The domain was available, and just jumped on it. But over time, God has really opened up the whole world of student ministry podcasts as a whole, and. And allowed me to kind of zero in on what my heart has been over the last couple of years, and that heart really is to connect those of us that are in student ministry together. Um, we're having more and more people that are not only stopping student ministry, but just stepping out of ministry altogether. And uh, one of the biggest things I think for us to to change that is that we need to connect more and more. And so, yeah, we, we changed the, uh, the slightly new direction for the podcast, but we changed the name, and it's it's been, uh, so far, a pretty good success. I think um, we've gotten a lot of uh, good response from it so far and excited to see where God takes it. Well, we're going to have links to Steve's
1: podcast in our show notes, uh, but I, I love it, Steve. I love what you just shared there because there are so many guys that are just stepping away from ministry as a whole, but... Also, youth ministry—it's hard now. It's difficult. So many families have stepped away and said, eh, "Church, that's just not as important." And I assume that's the same thing that you're facing out in Colorado.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like churches are, like families are stepping away. Um, student pastors are stepping away. Even our local network um, has been at, at its height. Was like fifteen youth pastors that would meet on a monthly basis and pour into each other. And right now, we're having like two or three that are able to make that happen and that's not just because you know there's only two or three left which is which is the case but uh but also yeah it's just harder and harder for them to make it a priority um they're feeling stretched they're feeling pulled is they're second guessing they're called a ministry and it's 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 rough right now
1: well one of the great things about these podcasts is the opportunity to hear other voices speak out there and it's not A matter of us having all the wisdom. It's just for you to know you're not alone in this process, and it is so good to hear voices like yours, Steve, and I, again, appreciate that. Well, let me ask you this question we ask a lot of our guests just to share how their relationship with Jesus began.
2: Yeah, so I I grew up in church, in a small rural church in southern Illinois, and uh, went there because that's where my family went, of course, and Grew up going with my grandparents. Uh, My parents were Christian, but uh, just weren't able to make it a priority to to make it into church all the time. And so I ended up going mostly with my grandparents on both sides. Um, They went to two different churches. So most of the time I was on my mom's side of the family in that small country church. But uh, occasionally I go with my my dad's uh, parents as well. And what I saw from them was not only a love for Jesus, but a love for the church. And mm. I, I saw that, especially in my, my mom's father, um, he was one of the strongest influences on me growing up because he absolutely loved Jesus, but he gave so much of his time to the church and to help more and more people know Jesus. Like he would occasionally preach when, when our preacher was out of town, he ran the whole like tech area and he had, uh, he was obsessed with recording, which is funny now that my grandma and my mom and dad and I talk about this, that I'm into podcasting because they're like, of course you are because your grandfather (laughs) recorded every single thing that happened at that small country church. And he had cassette tapes, like lining (laughs) the walls of his home office of the office of the church. Like there was so much there. And, uh, and so that, Example was just so much there for my both my grandparents and uh, and so not only did I meet Jesus through them But I also I saw what it was like to to actually be a Christian and to be a part of the church and to use Gifts and talents and abilities to to give back to God's body. Yeah, that was that was my upbringing and then just gradually got to know Jesus along the way got baptized when I was 15 switched churches uh, mostly because I had a friend that invited me to his church, and they had a youth group. My small Mm -hmm. country church didn't have a youth group, so I was going, but I was like the only 6th, 7th grader there, and that that was tough um, to be in that situation. I knew I loved Jesus, but it was getting hard to go to church because I was surrounded by a bunch of people that were older than me. And when I realized what a youth group could be and a student ministry was, I immediately fell in love with it and, and started going to that church completely on my own and got involved in the ministry, uh, connected with the youth pastor right away. And just one thing snowballed into another and uh, got involved serving there and, and really never looked back at that point. That's exciting. Uh,
1: I love that you mentioned the cassette tapes, yeah. because I am a youth pastor of a certain age. We'll just leave it at that. There's a lot of gray hair. If you could see podcasts, that's, you would see that. But during those early days, they would record all of those messages, just tons and tons of cassette tapes. Well, during those high school years, those teenage years especially,
2: who was it that poured into your life then? Yeah, it, it really it was my grandfather at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he he got sick, ended up getting cancer, and mm-hmm. and passed during my time in high school. But while he was still here on earth, has been had been a, a really big influence on me for sure. Um, and then, really at that time when all that was was transpiring and he was his health was going downhill, um, my youth pastor was one of the ones that, that stepped in. And was a huge influence on me. He was there for me to, you know, ask the the tif- difficult Bible questions that, you know, that would get him thinking. And he'd say, uh, get back with me on that, or I'll get I'll yeah. back with you on that. Um, but then also, you know, he was there for me during like, he would come into my sporting events and things like that, and really invested in me. And and that's what like I was able to to see for the first time someone outside my family really investing in my spiritual health, but also just me as a person. And uh, and that was huge. And he became a a huge mentor for me throughout high school and then even into my adult life as well. What was his name? Tim.
1: Tim. Yeah, I love those people, Um, whether they are paid or just simply volunteers. Have such an impact on us. I remember my youth group days at a small Baptist church in Northwest Arkansas, um, where a, a couple, uh, husband and wife, Rick and Jody, who would just love on us and just show us Jesus and what we needed to be doing for for Him. And so that it's just powerful stuff.
2: Absolutely, uh,
1: those volunteers. You know, it's that's what we're talking about today, and they are, have a powerful impact in our lives. Well, before we get to that conversation about volunteers, let me ask, why youth ministry? There are all sorts of ways that you could have been involved in ministry, but it looks like even from your days in college, you had this this target in mind.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it really it really goes back to high school. I was in middle school when most of the country got their first personal computer. And got internet. And so I fell in love with that. And I really thought that was that was where I was going to be going. Funny enough, to now know that God was going to use that eventually is is kind <laughs> of humorous to to like look back at that whole journey as God typically does. Like he he's he had the whole plan in, in, in place the whole time. But for for me, I I that was that was where I was gonna go computer engineering, something like that. And then when it, when I got involved in student ministry for myself, when I was a freshman and sophomore in high school, um, it was really the first time that my youth pastor said, Hey, do you want to come and help with camp? Hmm. Do you want to come and help, uh, and fill in for me when I can't, I can't be here next Sunday because I'm traveling or whatever. Do you want to fill in for the high school, uh, Sunday school class? And do you want to like help out with children's church? things like that. And all of a sudden I was able to start doing those things that I had seen my grandparents do as a, as a teenager now. And I just immediately fell in love with it. And, oh. and it was a, it was a hard decision, honestly, when it, when it finally came to it, it was like, Oh gosh, how am I, how am I processing this? How am I, I'm, I'm going to start to, re- I started to wrestle with this calling idea. And like, and so my youth pastor and I had lots of different conversations around that because He was also in a similar place where he was planning on, and actually he was a teacher for a couple of years and then got the call into ministry. And so I'm like, okay, Tim, like, how do I, how do I process all this? How do I, what do I do? I was planning on going this way, but I think God might be changing my path. Uh, But finally, I think it was even my freshman year of college that, you know, I started my, my youth ministry degree and, and I was still had in my mind, I'm only going to do this. As a part-time or a volunteer sort of thing (laughs) and uh honestly the more that i got involved and the more that i got experience uh in the classroom and and actually putting it into practice i just it was a snowball of just falling in love with it more and more and more and more when you get that opportunity to lead a teenager to jesus baptize them to like help them then figure out their calling and like all that is just—that's life-changing, and I can't imagine doing anything else. Really, like if I don't, if if I had any other job that didn't allow me to make an impact on the next generation for Christ, like i, I feel personally, I wouldn't f- feel fulfilled at all. Right, right.
1: We mentioned your church. How long have you been at Life Bridge?
2: Uh, just over five years.
1: So, to give our listeners an understanding of kind of where you're coming from in that that sense. What does your youth ministry look like?
2: Yeah, so we we have a a ministry that is middle school and high school combined in terms of programming. Uh, we meet on the same night. And we have went through over the five years. we have seen uh, probably every style of programming that you can talk about. <laughs> like we have we have tried it out and we some have worked and some haven't but uh yeah and 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 through that whole process over the last five years uh our church has has changed a lot not only that but we have you know this whole global pandemic that happened that changed ministry in the middle of all that too and so we have seen the whole gamut (laughs) of stuff Uh, so i just a little bit of a history i came in my prior ministry was at at a smaller church new church in new england and uh, did that for 10 years. I was the first youth pastor there. And then moving into this ministry, I was probably the, I don't know, 70th youth pastor they've had or whatever. (laughs) And so like, and lots of turnover was present before me as well. And so like that was what I inherited. I inherited a staff of three people uh, that was on the student team that I had the opportunity to lead. Um, little by little, they left. Um, COVID made the last one leave. And now we are in a ministry where I am the only paid staff for the student ministry. So um, even though we're at a somewhat larger church, I am probably in the same boat as a lot of other youth pastors now being the only paid staff on on the student team. And uh, we're we're reaching about, I'd say, 10, 10 to 12 percent uh, like in terms of the ratio and what our overall church attendance is versus ours. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're in a pretty good, uh, like healthy place right now. And uh, yeah, our ministry meets on the same Sunday night right now. Uh, and then for the most part, we have like this upcoming Sunday as a, as a game night. So we're breaking from our regular programming, but we will meet together for the first 20-25 minutes or so sometimes do music but always a game some sort of short message during that time and uh, and then we split into small groups that are all based on uh, biological sex and their grade in and, and school Okay. And so even though they meet at the same time, same night all that programming we still try to get them into groups that are with their peers and so that they can really dig in because as you know, yeah, that sixth grade boy and a 12th grade girl are vastly different in terms of maturity. And so, uh, yeah, like we'll hit the high level stuff in the, in the large group time. And then we send them off to really dig into the Bible and with their peers and with some leaders in that way. I've never had that explained to me that way the difference in maturity between a 6th
1: grade boy and a, a 12th grade girl that there's like 20 years of, of yeah. maturity difference in, in that that, in that 7 year so, span yeah <laughs> That's great Well listen um that that helps our listeners know a little bit where you're coming from and and what your ministry looks like there is this idea of volunteers and we often think about volunteers as just being something that only the larger churches need you know but here's my question why is it important for any church to have volunteers
2: in the student ministry yeah i think uh, when i think of that question i think in two different two different answers um and Yes, they're connected, but they're kind of two different <laughs> directions as well. I'd say the the first thing is just personal. Um, my capacity and your capacity and all of our capacities are only so much. Yeah. Like on the average, I think uh, the last research that I've read that most people can really only truly connect with ten to twenty people, and most of us are probably on the the line of of ten. Very few of us can go twenty or higher to like truly connect like you need to within a student ministry to actually make an impact on on that family and then the honest truth is that you and I know that it's not just the students that we're reaching we're reaching their families we're reaching potential other students that may come once a once in a while and their peers and and our volunteers and all that so our capacity becomes stretched so quickly and so if we actually wanna make an impact on our community, we need other people because I cannot do that on my own. Um, and then secondly, I think it really comes down to what I experienced um, is that I want to put other people in position for them to realize what their gifts and their talents, and their abilities are, and then put them in a position to actually use those for the for the glory of God, specifically for the next generation to to pass on our faith to them. And so if I'm not regularly investing in volunteers and allowing them to use their, their gifts and abilities, then they're missing out. Like they, they don't get to, to have the experience that I have to be able to pour into a teenager and see them grow from someone that has no idea who Jesus is to all of a sudden, like now sharing their faith without someone else. Like that's, that's something they get to, they, they miss out on getting to do if, if I don't give them an opportunity to do that. Let
1: me add a third reason, and this is very nuts and bolts. So, listeners, this is just important, I think. We have to think about it, but by having other adults on our team, that helps with the accountability issue. Mm. We're talking safety of our students and really the your own reputation, because all it takes is an accusation at the wrong time, in the wrong place, in your ministry it can go down the toilet. I mean, that's, that's just a very <laughs> straightforward answer to that. So, but I appreciate that, Steve. I, I really do. I think that it's important for us to to be developing volunteers, recruiting them, developing them. But as we look at volunteers, even before we begin that process of recruitment, what are we looking for in a good volunteer?
2: Yeah, I think it helps to to first dream. Uh, cast some vision in for yourself, just really spend time with God and say, okay, God, what do you want this ministry to look like? Mm. Because I I think one of the biggest things is we don't, I mean, (laughs) depends on your church. Um, Some of them may be a little more traditional. Some of them might be more attached to certain things than others. But I come from the mindset that there is no... I mean, there's there's some boundaries that we need to stay within, of course, but uh, apart from that, there's no right or wrong way to do student ministry. As long as we are investing in teenagers and putting them in position to to create a relationship with Jesus and then learn how to do that with others, it can look a number of different ways. Mm, and so yeah. what what do you feel that God has asking you to do in terms of your own student ministry? what What is that supposed to look like? Do some hard prayer and some conversation, some research around what's the best methods. And then you can start to really develop this this idea of like, what, okay, what who else do I need on this team to make, make this happen? Um, so if you want a, for us, we decided it really does, does need to look like small groups. We would really want to put a lot of F emphasis on small groups, that small group environment. And so... That means for us, we need X amount of leaders because we want two leaders in each group. And, uh, and then we need so many males, so many female, that's the the structure that we decided to do. And so that determined a little bit of who we need on the team, but also they're small group leaders. This is not a, just a warm body kind of person. This is someone (laughs) that like has known Jesus for at least a little bit and is able to now, lead someone else in discovering who jesus is and so that's who we we've created this job description um and some expectations and all those sort of things i think that's really important to to put together is have your list and put it on paper people need to see that as well like they need to say hey when you're recruiting someone like here's here's the expectations here's what we want here's some things that that are definite and here's some things that are some suggestions and we want to give you some freedom to move within this. But that really helps when you're, when you are recruiting, because they can look at that paper and go, okay, I can do this or I can't do this. And it also gives you something to go back to when, when they do, you know, have some times where they are not quite cutting it or not meeting those expectations. You have it on paper to go back to as well. But I think that's, that's a really important thing. But then also I would encourage people to think outside of those, that primary program as well. We just recently created some other opportunities for student or for people to uh, serve in student ministry that does not involve small group leading because we got some parents or other adults that are not quite ready to do that sort of a thing. That's a big commitment. That's like, I got to be there every week. I got to, you know, dedicate so many hours of my time. I got to prep all those different things. And so we created, we have a check-in team at our church that, you know what? They can serve once a month for an hour prior to youth group starting. They sit back there. They help students get checked in. It's an incredibly vital role because they are the front lines of new students coming in. They get to meet those students. They get to meet the parents, all those different things. But it's it's a lot simpler of a role than being a small group leader as well. So I would encourage people to think think broadly. Think about your entire ministry. Where can volunteers step in at various roles and various degrees of those roles as well? And then just create a create a chart of that, <laughs> create an organizational chart, and then start working from there.
1: So where is your pool of people?
2: Where do, where do you pull
1: from? Is it the mm-hmm. parents, um, the college students,
2: uh, just somebody who can't get away from you fast enough. What, where's your pool of people? <laughs> yes to everything. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it's important as well to to yeah to look at your pool. I when I first started in in professional ministry, I I was privileged enough to be in uh, a city that had a Christian college nearby and it was really easy to get i was in over the middle school ministry at that time and it was really easy for me to find middle school volunteers because i had a ton of uh, people that were learning about youth ministry had to get their hours in and were like hey come come serve in our ministry so yeah if you have a college campus that's nearby whether it's a christian college campus or just a college campus that has a campus ministry don't overlook that at all um, but for now we don't, that's not, that our not our case right now. And so really, uh, we look at our, our, existing volunteers in the beginning. We say like, who else do you know that can also serve in ministry? So if you've got even like two people right now, one person that, that is dedicated volunteer and is there helping with you, encourage them to to think outside the box and like, who else do you know that could also do this and should also be doing this? Um, but then we also go to the the overall congregation. Um, I am not the type of person that, um, I don't like the, uh, the big invitation from the front. And so, um, here in the South, we, yeah. we say y'all come. <laughs> yeah, <So> that's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it, it, it's, it's not always the case, but from my experience, I get, I, a lot of people, if our if our lead pastor from the front said, "Hey, our student ministry needs help," sign up. We would get a ton of people to sign up. Why? Because he said so. Right. And now I've got to go through and of all those people that would sign up, maybe one, maybe two would actually be <laughs> a legit volunteer like opportunity there, um, just because of the the, the scenario there. So. I prefer more to to go after people directly. Um, going after parents um, is is a huge thing. I know a lot of ministries don't don't encourage going after parents. We we do have a bunch of parents on our team, and it's great. We do not allow our our parents to directly lead their own kids, though. Um, so we have someone that has a seventh grade boy. I'm not going to put that that dad over those seventh grade boys small group. I'm going to have them serve in a different group. Um, But just because they need some some other people outside that. Plus, it's also it's it's weird for a parent to like have to decipher what role they're playing at that moment. Are they playing a small group leader role? Are they playing the dad role? And then, like you said earlier, with all the different boundaries and legal stuff and everything, it's like, okay, like, Officially, like we have rules in charge are in, in place that say you can't be alone with a kid, but like, okay, if I find myself with the, the my kid's friend, am I, am I small group leader in that role or am I dad in that role? And it just gets right. really mm-hmm. hairy yeah. when that yeah. sort of thing. So we do encourage parents to, to serve, but not directly over their kid's group.
1: As we look at this. You know we want to develop the leaders but we got to find them first so do you have any other tips for us as we're trying to figure out how to recruit those people in our in our
2: in our church yeah i think the the first thing i would say is just we need to create awareness like don't don't act like you've got it all figured out i think that's one of the 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 things that a lot of people think within our churches for some reason is oh the youth pastor's got it all figured out they've got it covered now we need to create the awareness, like let people know we are looking for to get other people involved. Um, I think another way is, is telling stories about our current team. Tell stories about what's going on. Let them know like, hey, this is exciting. This is what you get to do when you're a part of this team. You get to make an impact on the next generation. Stories will do a lot of uh, a good that that you're natural recruiting, asking people to help the stories will, will overcome those things a lot of times cause they'll inspire people and go, Oh, I, I want to do that. I can be a part of that. So I think telling stories is huge. Um, I think and just encouraging, like I said earlier, your existing leaders to invite their friends, like who else do you know that they should also be a part of this team? Uh, one of the, the things that I learned early in my ministry that I continue to tell other youth pastors as well is like, if you look at yourself and, and you're honest, And you say, I am not a gifted recruiter whatsoever, that it scares me, I can't do it, I I stay up at night thinking about it, like all those sort of things. Just all you need to do is recruit one person. You need to pray and go after one gifted recruiter. Find whoever that is in your church (laughs) and get them on your team and, and unleash them to go and do that for you. Just recruit one, make sure they're a gifted recruiter, and then empower them to do it. And then I think the the last thing I, I've heard from a lot of other youth pastors that are, that are older and wiser than me as well is uh, to create an, an environment on your team that is fun and exciting and that people want to be a part of. And then honestly, if you're doing all those things, I feel like recruiting becomes less and less of a thing that you need to do because people will just naturally be drawn to your ministry because they hear the stories coming out of it. They see the fun you're having they see the encouragement that's, that's going on on the student ministry team. And they're going, I want to be a part of that. instead yeah. now you're going to have to start turning people away <laughs> and we're like, oh wow, we've got to have to like, you know, and that's, that might be crazy to think about. Um, because like in student ministry and a lot of ministries in the church, you're like, I'm always looking for people, but, and I, and I don't see this arrogantly, but I, I say it because God blessed it in a certain way, but at my last church, we got to a point where I had a waiting list. Um, because I had so many people that are being wanting to be a part of what God was doing in our student ministry, so it is possible. I love that idea of creating a culture of fun and and team
1: um, that can. It's something people want to be a part of. They want that, and people will go out and they'll join organizations outside of the church because they find that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so let's create it within the body and and make an impact in our students. Man, thanks, Steve. The The follow-up question, and really just the other big topic of the day, is once we've got them, once we have recruited them, they're a part of our team, what do we do with them? <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean just the job placements, but um, how do we help them become all that God wants
2: them to be? Yeah. What are some tips in that area for us? Yeah, I, I think that's huge because I think a lot of people over the years, they have, they've gotten you know volunteered or voluntold uh to do a certain uh role and uh and then they're like okay you're you're now the sunday school teacher and uh 20 years later they're like i'm still the sunday school teacher and i don't know what i'm doing yet um and so i think uh from the very beginning we have to have an onboarding process Um, and that's going to look different for different churches, depending on your size, your capacity, all those different things. But I think every church needs an onboarding process for those new volunteers. And it can be as simple as, Hey, here, here is the one sheet of expectations and what we're asking you. Um, and Hey, let me get to know you, you go out to coffee, just spend some time with those people. But, but it doesn't stop there as well. It needs to, you know, progress. And so beyond the, you know, the initial you know sign the or fill out the application do the background check all that stuff we need to continue investing in them so for our church what that looks like is beyond the uh the the application and all that stuff and the meeting for coffee and and getting to know the people we also utilize uh, youth ministry 101 um so it's from youth ministry university um download youth ministry has that that side of their organization and it's an all online version of of training that we can issue to our our leaders and we they have a lot of different classes on there that you can go through but they're all very short i think there's a series of five videos in 101 and all of those videos are less than 10 minutes each and so it's really easy for a brand new leader to go through that and we've decided that that needs to be a base level of all our volunteers so if you are brand new to serving in student ministry or you came from a different church that and you have 20 years under your belt already. We all are are going through youth ministry one hundred and one, and so that's initial training. We also have uh, monthly gatherings for our team, where we do a little bit of training, but we also celebrate and we pray together on a regular basis. And so, monthly times where you're just connecting with your team, um, and then we have we get together briefly before each program as well so all of our ministry takes place at the church the program piece of our ministry and so we meet 30 minutes before on a weekly basis we have our monthly gatherings and then our entire next gen team so our kids ministry teams and our student ministry teams we meet twice a year um, to do some training across the board and then we have a once a year training um, that we also utilize Download Youth Ministries National Day of Volunteer Youth oh, Ministry yeah, training. Yeah. So we were a host site. And really, the, I mean, I want to I be a host site for other churches and everything, but it's really for, for us to, because we really value training so much that we're like, we're going to host this so you don't have to travel <laughs> to another town. It's right here at our church. We want you to be there. And so that's a once a year training that we have with them. And then we regularly use the Youth Ministry University stuff, podcasts, books, anything like that as well. But my encouragement to you would be and others that are listening, if you can, when you find as you're reading and you're, you're helping yourself become better as, as a youth pastor, like as you, if you come across that stuff, try to summarize it for your team, uh, for your volunteers, because realize like they're not doing this full time. They've got their own jobs, they've got families, they've got other things that they're taking care of. So if you find this really awesome book that's like 250 pages of great student ministry goodness, can you summarize that in like five pages or less and then give that to them? Because that's going to help them to actually consume that. Because if you say, hey, you continue to read this 300 page book or whatever they're probably not going to do it because yeah, that's not yeah. their full-time job. But I think is the best that we can do to put it in consumable bites for them the the better.
1: Well, I know that a great deal of this is being intentional as we move forward in our student ministry as we look to help our volunteers become what God will want them to be in our ministry, um we have to be intentional. So uh, that that piece, let me ask about how much of your week not days, but how much of the percentage of time do you think you spend in that process of thinking about this?
2: Yeah, I'd say it comes back to, to, to me first. Like I want to make sure that I am equipping myself as much as possible. So I'd say for, for me, I probably spend, you know, of the you know, the work hours. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> sometimes those bleed over into uh, to life at home and, and that's something I need to watch um, because I can easily get sucked into this. But, uh, but I'd say probably, I've never actually counted it up, but I'm thinking anecdotally, it's probably between uh, somewhere around 10% of, of my okay. week that I make sure that I am regularly listening to podcasts, reading books, making sure that I'm staying on top of my game uh, in terms of that. And then I'd say beyond that, um, on a regular basis, I, I too try to, uh, to meet with our volunteers on a regular basis. So the goal is that I would meet with one of them every week. Either we go out to coffee or sometimes it's a phone call if we can't actually meet up in person, but ideally it'd be go out to coffee, go grab lunch together, see how they're doing. And and really invest in them. And so I'd say that's that's probably the the bulk of my time is personal development and then investing directly with with one or two other leaders at a time. The other stuff really, I mean, you know, when it comes to you know the the big the the annual trainings, that part the week leading into that, that's gonna be a lot more time. But sure, on a regular sure. basis, it doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot. If I'm doing my personal development as much as I can. It's re- it becomes really easy for me to say, oh, hey guys, this is a great blog I read and I shoot it out to the team. Yeah, It takes all of like two minutes to write up that email or to send out that text um, and that sort of thing. So so it's a lot more time, I think, to put together the structure that you want to to build for sure. your team. But in terms of your regular weekly grind, it doesn't take a whole lot to be intentional about this.
1: Yeah. And that little bit of time, that little bit of intentional time can make just such a huge impact on the overall impact of your ministry. I mean, because you mentioned you only have a certain amount of capacity, and when you multiply yourself, uh, it can have a, a big make a big difference. Absolutely. Well, Steve, as as we wrap up today, what else would you say to us in this whole area of a volunteers? Anything else for
2: us? Yeah, I think one of the big things that unfortunately that uh, that we overlook, and I know I did for a really long time, uh, was that we need to make sure that our volunteers are discipled. We don't need to just equip them and say, Hey, here's how to lead a small group or here's how to, you know, take care of unruly teenagers or that sort of thing. We need to make sure that our, our leaders, our volunteers that have given their time, that they know Jesus. And they know how to lead someone else. to that's, that's huge. And so I think, you know, for the longest time, we as an American church have probably not done the greatest job of actually discipling people. And so now we're going after leaders and they're not fully discipled themselves. Right. And very and often they, they have no clue how to disciple someone else. And so I would encourage you, especially man, if, <laughs> if you have a, a team of like one or two people. Like you're in an ideal position right now, start investing in those leaders and just start to disciple them, help them to know what it's like to know Jesus on a regular basis and how to pass that on to someone else and then unleash them to do the same thing. And then again, you're multiplying your efforts. But I, I've thought a lot of times, like I, I can teach someone how to do student ministry. Like we can, we can learn that together. Um, but I need someone to come in, like actually know who Jesus is and have a passion to, to share that with someone else. And that's, that's where I want to put more effort into, um, is to making sure that they're, they're prepared to, to just know Jesus on their own, but also to, to lead other people in that direction. Um, because if not, it doesn't matter if they can lead a good small group or if they can give a really good talk from stage. Um, we need people that can actually model it on a regular basis and, and make more disciples. And so, yeah, if nothing else, like you get beyond like what your structure should look like, make sure you're investing in those leaders and and helping them become disciple makers.
1: Steve, that is a great place for us to wrap up. I I love that idea. It is so important for us to find that next batch of disciple makers and pull them along with us as we're seeking to impact uh, teenagers and, and students. with the gospel. Um, Steve, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, find out more about your ministry or learn more about your podcast, what's a
2: good way for them to reach you? Yeah, the best place is my, my website and blog is at stevecullum.com. So that's S T E V E C U L L U M.com. And from there, you'll see a lot of other links. I am at Steve Cullum on most social medias out there. And if you want to check out the podcast, it's Student Ministry Connection. And you can find it at studentministryconnection.com and all the, the podcast apps and services out there. Well, that's great. Again, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Steve. Yeah, no problem. And it's uh, it's been a pleasure to, to chat and uh, to connect with you today.
1: Well, listeners, thank you for joining us as we've talked about leader development, about helping our volunteers and recruiting volunteers. I'm so thankful for Steve, for his podcast and his ministry, and we just want to keep serving. We keep learning and growing so that we can do better as we seek to impact the next generation for Jesus. And why do we do this? Well, we do it because student ministry matters.
0: Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.